you have your Bibles, Hebrews chapter number 10, A New and Living Way. I want to draw your attention back to Genesis. In the book of Genesis, God made a perfect place called the Garden of Eden. It was the most beautiful place known to man, not seen since. And God would come in the cool of the evening, and he would meet with Adam and Eve, and they would walk together. I don't know what they talked about. I wished I did. But I am certain it would be Adam and Eve saying, Lord, this place is beautiful. The weather is beautiful. Lord, uh, there's so much food here. Everything is perfect. Lord, thank you. And I'm sure that the Lord probably said, well, I love you, Adam. I'm proud of you, Eve. And I want us to walk together for all eternity. I have one favor. I have put a tree in this garden. And I would ask you not to eat of that tree. You can eat of everything else but not that tree. For that tree, you would know things that you ought not to know. It's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. I don't ever want you to know about evil. And Adam and Eve, I'm sure, said, yes, Lord. We love you. We'll do that. And then as they began to go on, we don't know how long they were in the garden, but as they would walk by that tree, it would almost call their name. Anybody ever had something like that happen to you? I mean, you're on a diet, and your wife has fixed some luscious something, and you walk by it, and it just calls your name. Uh, yesterday, my wife fixed chocolate chip cookies, and uh, I was very strong. I saw those chocolate chip, and I love those cookies. And so, you know, I've been I've been trying to uh, be careful. Uh, and so, I, I noticed that they were the smell permeated the room. And as I would walk by the countertop, the smell just called my name, Dave Pittman. Dave Pittman. And I said, no, not today. No. I walked by it, went out and did some things, came back in. I am certain Adam and Eve had the same issue. Only theirs was life-altering. Well, sometimes you, you know, Adam was married, Eve. Let me tell you what my wife did. She's in Eve's vein. I sat down. I was watching Texas get beat, which made me sick. But I was sitting there watching the ball game, and she brings one of those cookies and lays it in my lap. (laughs) Eve grabs a piece of fruit from that tree and says, Adam, it tastes wonderful. Why don't you try it? And And so I fell into sin and had two cookies, and they're great big ones. So I couldn't stop, and Adam couldn't stop, and so I'm from Adam's stock. And from that point in time, man fell into sin. He disobeyed the Lord. Now, 
obviously I'm joking about the cookies. I did try to stay away from them. I did try it, and she did put it in my lap, and I did fall into sin, and I ate that cookie, but it was sure good. I asked the Lord to forgive me, and I went out and walked 36 miles last night. Well, not quite, trying to get it off, but I did notice that feeling of, I'm not going to do that, maybe not going to do that. It sure would be good. And Adam fell. Now, when he did, the trait of sin, the trait of disobedience happened to all of us. And so now when you tell a child, you can do everything, but don't do that, they're going to do that. It just happens. Have you noticed you tell your children, don't do this, and it's just like the thing they just got to do almost. It came from Adam. Now, this passage says, notice if you would, verse 20, by a new and living way which he had consecrated for us. Consecrated, the Greek word uh, in Kinezo is to renew again. So it is to again for the Lord to make a way where you and I can walk with the Lord in the cool of the evening. We can walk with the Lord every morning. We can walk with the Lord every day. We can have the same type of fellowship that Adam and Eve enjoyed with the Lord thousands of years ago. You and I can enjoy that today. It's a new and living way that Jesus Christ planned for you and I. And I want you to see just a few things about this. Notice, if you would, um, we have to express our desire for this new and living way, this salvation. Notice Hebrews chapter, flip back, if you would. Hebrews chapter number four, or chapter number three. Notice with me, if you would, Hebrews chapter three, verse number 13. But exhort one another daily while it is said today. In other words, I want to try to talk with each one of you today. He says this, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. In other words, all of us in this room are hardened by sin. Uh, we don't want to do this. Now, listen very carefully. This new and living way is this. Jesus Christ paid the debt. You notice uh, the cross here? Uh, the cross was the way he paid the debt for you and I. You see, in the Old Testament, if you remember correctly, in the book of Genesis, God killed an animal and clothed Adam and Eve, the first shedding of blood. And in Leviticus 17, 11, the Lord said, the life of the flesh is in the blood and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your soul. So God's currency is blood. So for thousands of years, the Israelites would offer a lamb, a perfect lamb that would picture the perfect lamb of God that would come one day. And so if you'll notice what would happen would, if you were to express your desire to Jesus Christ and say, Lord Jesus, I'd like to have my sins forgiven. Take your Bible and turn back to Hebrews chapter number 10, if you would. And I want you to notice in verse number 17, he says, and their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. You need that forgiveness. Everybody in this room does. It's available to everybody in this room. It's not available for a select few. 
It's available for all. For God so loved the world. Now, I'm going to come back to this verse in a minute. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, pay for their own sin, but have everlasting life. That new and living way is open for everybody in this room. But you have to express to him that you want it. In Romans chapter 10, he says, For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. You have to believe that Jesus Christ died for you. And that he loves you. And that if you ask him, Hebrews, uh, Romans 10 verse 10 says, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. You tell him, Lord, I'm sorry. Would you forgive me of my sin?" Now, you don't have to be on your knees, but you've got to be on your knees in your heart. You have to humble yourself. And that's why the world is not saved today. Because we're filled with pride, and we don't want to humble ourselves but before the mighty God of heaven. And that's the reason Jesus says, don't prevent the little children, for of such is the kingdom of heaven made. Because a child has not been hardened so much by sin Many times he hears the gospel and said, Lord Jesus, would you forgive me? I'm sorry. But as we get older, we get hardened more and more. It takes an awful lot to see an older man saved, an older woman saved, because sin hardens the heart. And so if you would have read back in Hebrews chapter 10, or chapter 3, it said, today if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. So we do it ourselves. Well, I don't want to go to church today. I, I don't want to pray today. I remember when I got saved 56 years ago, I sat in the service and I said, not today. I'll do it next week. I'll do it tomorrow. Hardening of the heart. And if you're here today, the Lord Jesus said, today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. You have to express your desire for salvation and he'll give it to you if you'll confess your sin to him. There's repentance involved with it. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not just a simple prayer, Lord, save me. It is whenever your heart is broken of the things you've done. Now, you may not remember all the things you've done, but you're embarrassed about some of them. And so you come to the Lord Jesus and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden, and an angel was placed at the garden with a sword that they could never enter again. This, what Jesus did on the cross, opened up again, you and I be able to go back into the presence of God. So, number one, I want you to notice this new and living way starts when you and I have expressed our desire for Christ. Lord, would you save me? And we put our faith and trust in him. Look in, in Hebrews 10, look in verse number 17 again. We'll read it again. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. Now watch this, verse 18. And where remission of these is, there is no more offering for sin. Jesus will never again come back and pay your debt of sin. It's paid for forever. That's the reason his last three words on the cross in English, in Greek, were tetelestai. It is finished. Debt's paid. And here's Hebrews saying, look, it's a new way. I've renewed again the opportunity for every human being 
to come right into the presence of God. You see, for thousands of years, only the high priest could go in. Look with me, if you would, over in chapter uh, number 9. Look, Hebrews 9. Just turn back a chapter and notice with me, if you would, in verse number 7. But into the second, now you've got to realize there were two parts to this temple, this tabernacle, this temple. The first part was where they would offer a lamb, perfect blood. They would take the lamb and sprinkle it on the altar, uh, the blood would, and then the high priest alone would take a little bit of that blood and go in to the holiest of holies. Now, this place is to be the place where no one can go because the opportunity to go into the presence of God was not yet made possible for all of us. If you remember, when Moses received the Ten Commandments, he went up on top of the mount, and God said, don't anybody come to the foot of the mount or you'll die if you come up. It's because you're sinners, and I'm going to give you the steps for you and I to be friends, but that close personal walk can't happen until my son pays the debt. Notice, if you would, in this passage, in verse number, in this same passage, verse number seven, Hebrews 9 7, but into the second, that holy of holies, went the high priest alone, not you and me, him alone, once every year. Not without blood, he had to take blood with him which he offered for himself first and for the errors of the people. So you'll notice, now look in verse number 8, the Holy Ghost, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all, into the very presence of God. Listen very carefully. Uh, You have to express your desire to be saved. That opens up the opportunity for you, notice if you would, not only to go to heaven, but it notices that you can have an opening into the presence of the Lord. Look over in chapter 10 in verse number 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness or confidence to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. So because you've been saved, you've been born again, your sins have been washed away never again to be paid for, You're born into God's family. Now you have the privilege of going in and sitting down with Jesus Christ and Him alone. What a privilege. Now, because He's the great King of Kings, I don't envision sitting in a chair. I envision Him. Lord, could I talk to you for a minute? Doing homage to the King of Kings. But as John in Revelation 1, he reached down and touched him and said, Stand up, sit up. You and I can speak personally to Jesus Christ about the burdens of your heart. It was why he made Adam and Eve in the first place. So they could walk together. But you know what the old devil has done? Oh, the tree is gone, but now it's a beautiful car. 
Now it's a, a job that provides a lot of money. Now it's a new suit of clothes. Now it's stuff. And we're so busy that we don't take advantage of the opportunity to enter into the very presence of God. He said in Matthew chapter 6, go into your closet, your prayer closet, close the door, and talk to your heavenly Father, which seeth in private. He'll reward you in public. Oh, we don't go in to talk to him to get rewarded in public. We go in to talk to him so that can be that fellowship and that sweetness. And if you're missing that, you're missing why Jesus died for you. God the Father let his son die on the cross to renew your opportunity to enter into the very presence of God. We teach our children how to make a living. We teach our children how to make money. We teach our children to go to college and, and get a degree, but we don't teach them how to live in his presence. I'm afraid they don't see parents on their knees beside their bed talking to the Lord. Lord, could I talk to you for a few minutes? You walk by. I remember hearing my mother groans of my mother as I'd walk by the door and I'd see her kneeling down beside the bed. Lord, would you bless my son David? Keep him safe spiritually. Keep him from sin. She went into the presence of God for me. Parents and grandparents can be so busy. They don't go into the presence of God and say, Lord, it's my son, it's my daughter. Lord, please. Lord, help them to walk as you've helped me to walk. Are you trying to provide footsteps for your children? A new and living way. The way that gives people victory over sin so there's Nothing grabs them around the throat. There's no dominion of sin. There's no pornography that takes them by the throat. There's no, there's no alcohol that takes them by the throat. There's no drugs. There's no, there's no pride. There's no arrogance. They can do what is right and walk into the presence of God because they're free from sin. It's a new and living way. And Jesus died to make it possible for all of you in this room But you have to enter into it on purpose. It has to be your greatest desire. Take your Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 4. Look back, just a couple of chapters. Hebrews chapter 4. Look with me, if you would, verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest, Jesus Christ, that is passed into the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our profession. We're going to look at that in just a minute. He says it multiple times in this book. Profession is the day you trusted Christ as Savior. And he says, hold fast. Remain assured that you're a child of God. Notice what he says in verse number 15. For we have not an high priest, which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus Christ knows every feeling you know, every hurt you know. 
Every trouble you're facing, he knows that. And he feels it for you. Notice, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. He knows the temptation of that cookie, albeit small illustration. He knows the temptation of that money. He knows the temptation of that expenditure. He knows the temptation. And folks, there's nothing wrong with money. God made Job the richest man of the East. He made Abraham. He had 318 employees in his staff. And so God made those men wealthy, but they didn't care about the wealth. They cared about the Lord. And he provided all the rest. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You see, we've got it all messed up. Adam and Eve weren't worried about things and this and that. They were worried about walking with the Lord. And that's what he was excited for because he made them for that. And he made you to walk with him. Don't get distracted. So he has to send Jesus to pay our debt of sin and said, it's a new and living way. It was the old way with Adam and Eve and they threw it away. And he had to make it again. It's renewed. It's rebuilt. It's an opportunity for you and I. Notice, if you would, in verse 16 of Hebrews 4. Let us, therefore, because Jesus opened the door to the very presence of God, let us, therefore, come boldly under the throne of grace. That's where Jesus sits. Now, listen very carefully. Depending upon the time, it depends on what that throne is. Revelation 20, and I saw a great white throne and him that set it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away. It's a day of judgment. But here, because he loves you, he sits on the throne and now it's a great white throne of grace. He wants you to come to him with sweet fellowship. Notice what he says. The throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, folks, all the time we have needs. But you don't want to always go to the Lord only in the time of need. One of the sweetest things with Janet and I in marriage is that we walk together a lot. And so we find the W-O-N-D trail. We'll walk on the trail. We'll, uh, we'll walk different trails around. And, and so we have this trail out in Leesburg that we like to go. It's about 3.2 miles if we go all the way around it. If we're a little tired, it's about 1.2 miles down, a mile back, a mile down, mile back. And so we walk together. And the fun thing is just be able to talk about stuff. close. We don't necessarily talk about problems. Oh, we might, but they're short-lived. We talk about the fun we're having with each other and tomorrow what we're going to do and the blessings of yesterday and the goodness of God. Do, do you understand that the Lord wants us to come to Him in the time of need but he also wants us to come in him 
in a time of thanksgiving. Lord, you've been so good to me. Lord, could I just tell you thank you? How many in this room can see me clearly? Raise your hand. Okay. When was the last time you said, Lord Jesus, how do I say thank you? Last week, on Thursday, I walked out to the construction trailer of the man that supervised the construction of this building. And I walked in, and I, uh, he was sitting down looking at his computer, kind of going like that. I said, hey, and I talked to him for a minute. And he said, uh, I said, what's wrong? He said, he's rubbing his eyes. What's wrong with your eyes? He says, I can't see out of it. I, I, I can't see. Do you understand sight is a great gift? Do you understand thinking is a great gift? But all of us, if we're not careful, will take it for granted. The Lord Jesus just wants you and I, notice with me if you would, to come to his throne of grace in time of need. But he also wants us to come to his throne of grace and just talk to him. When was the last time you just talked with the Lord? When's the last time you said, Lord, thank you for my wife? Thank you for my husband? Thank you for my children? For my grandchildren? Now, Zach is sitting back there in the back. Zach, how much fun are those crutches? Not much. He just said it like this, not much. You know what? If you could walk in this morning, Lord, could I say thank you for both legs working? How many of you have thought about you got up this morning and you had to get your heart pumping? God gives you that as a gift every day. But we take it to get stuff for ourselves. I'm not talking about just you. I'm talking about me. When I, read, when I look at this passage, A New and Living Way, and realize that Jesus Christ wants me, me to come up to him, uh, because I've been saved by his son's blood and washed in the blood of Christ. He just wants me to come to him and, and just fellowship with him. So last night I, I came up here. I mean, I have the benefit of this message earlier before you do. So I came up here last night and I walked around the building. And I said, Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. And I looked out in the back and I said, Lord, thank you. I looked at the parking lot. I said, Lord, thank you. I walked at the playground. I said, Lord, Thank you. We had a playground at the other place and it had mulch on it. How many of you have your children and they brought mulch home in their socks and they brought mulch home in their underwear and they brought mulch home in their t-shirts? How many of you did that? We want you to bring it back. We need that mulch. No, you know, it, they, 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 they got it all over themselves and I walked out there at that place and it poured down rain Saturday morning and I looked out there and it was dry and no mulch. Lord, thank you. 
if we're not careful, we'll give up this new and living way of joy, of entering into his presence for the needs that we have. And we'll start trying to figure out how to get things for ourselves. And then the joy is missing. Notice with me, if you would, we can enjoy a full assurance of our salvation. Notice what he says in verse 22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. Do you understand when Jesus forgives you of your sin, you're God's child forever? I mean, I've got this ring on here, and if I take my ring off, am I still married? Yes, because it's in here. It's been settled. And so the day you got saved, it's in your heart. It's settled for all eternity. You can relax and realize I don't have to live a certain way to stay a Christian. I have full assurance he gave me the privilege of being his son. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even them that believe on his name. It's your privilege now. But if we sit down and talk, one thing I do every morning, it's one of the first things that I do is I get down and I picture myself before the presence of the Lord. I say, Lord, thank you for letting me be your son. Not because I'm a preacher. I got saved when I was a plumber. He'll forgive anybody if you'll ask, if you'll express your desire. And you can enter into his presence. You can enjoy the gift of eternal life. There was a young man, 11 years old, the early 1800s. His name was George. He learned to drink, had the wrong friends. By the age of 14, they considered him as one that drank all the time. His father was a lawyer, and his father was concerned about in the future that he would have a place to live and food to eat. So he said, son, I want you to become a clergyman because clergymen get houses, they get parsonages, and that way I'll always have a place to stay. I'll pay for your college. So for the first two years of his college education, his father paid for it in the expectation that he would become a clergyman and he would have his own church and he would have his own house, a parsonage that the people would give him, and they would bring foodstuffs and he would never have to worry about living again. But his son was wicked of heart. And then he got his Bible in class. He's required to read the Bible. He had 300 books in his library, and he took his Bible out, and he began to read it. He read John 3.16, for God so loved the world. And he said, well, that's me. That he gave his only begotten son. That's Jesus Christ. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And right there, he bowed his head and said, Lord Jesus, I don't deserve to go to heaven, but I want this eternal life. I want to be with you. And he was saved. And from that point on, his whole life changed. And he called his dad and he says, Dad, I'm going to be a missionary, not a clergyman. And his dad cut off his funds. 
And he finished his schooling because he learned to enter into God's presence. So he got down in God's presence. He said, Lord, I need this. And Lord, could you, could you provide that? And he got married. And when he got married, his whole life changed. And now he's a very godly saint of God. But his ministry was he would travel and as an evangelist and he would preach. And then he got a church and began to work in that church. And then he saw 30 young ladies didn't have a place to stay and didn't have much food. So he started an orphanage. And one morning, he had two workers and his wife. His wife came in that night and said, George, we don't have any milk in the morning for the oatmeal. And George says, come here. They all got together all four of them. They got down. And he said, now, Lord, it's me again. I've got a desperate need. I promised you when we started this orphanage, I would never ask a person for a dime. I would only ask you. So I'm asking. Um, letter for, for, for George. He got it, looked at it. So I said, well, hurry up and open it up. He opened it up. It was more than enough money to buy all the milk they needed. And so George said, from here on, I'm only going to ask my father. He ended up with five orphanages, a thousand children, and he fed them every day on his knees. Milk would come to the door when they needed it. Money came in in envelopes. He never asked for a penny. But he did go to his heavenly father. But he made this statement. He said, I cannot run the orphanages and I cannot walk with God unless I take two hours every morning and pour my heart out to him. He recorded 50,000 direct answers to prayer. And George Mueller, in the 1800s when he died, had the state-of-the-art orphanages worth $14 million 200 years ago. And he never asked a person for a dime. And people said, George, how is this possible? And folks, what I want you to understand is you and I have the same new way George did, but we don't use it like George does. And it's not just to get things. The lives of those people that he affected on his knees could ask you this. Who is it you want to affect? I have three grandchildren. I want to affect them. And I have a sweet wife. I want to affect her. And there's a room full of people. I want to affect you on my knees for your sake. I'm praying for you. 
But if you want to go to heaven, you have to express your desire to go to heaven. If you want this new and living way of joy, you have to come to the Lord yourself and say, it's me, Lord. Could you get rid of all those little petty things in my life? Lord, I'm sorry. George Mueller preached the gospel to thousands and thousands of people, but he got all of his messages. The 300 books he had, he gave them all away. And he said, I've got the only book that I need. And he spent his entire life in this book. He spoke multiple languages because he got on his knees and he asked his heavenly father to let him make a difference. A new way for you to pay your bills on your knees. A new way for you to be a good wife on your knees. Today, it's a new way. But he said, encourage one another, exhort one another as you see the day approaching. When Israel was invaded, I've had multiple people come to me and say, is this the end? Are we getting close? I believe we're getting close. I don't know if this is the end or not, but I'm going to be ready. Today, are you ready? Let's bow our heads forward to prayer this morning. I'm going to ask the pianist to come and play a verse of invitation hymn. Maybe you're more, this morning you're, you're struggling with some burdens and there's some things in your life. Maybe you've never trusted Christ as Savior. Folks, do, do you understand that's everybody in this room either was like that or they still are? You've got to come to Christ. Maybe you're here today and, yeah, I, I, you know, I, hey, hey, uh, I've been trying to do a lot of things myself. Why don't you come and let the Lord do it for you as you walk with him? Lord Jesus, speak to heart this morning as only you can. In your precious name we pray. Amen.